Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Yeah, Shan said, my name's Ifa. I've been doing the Gas Street Academy this year on the youth stream. There we go. <laughs> Come on, on the youth stream. And I'm so delighted to be sharing with you this morning. Um, our theme, as, is, as was mentioned, is strong and courageous. We're looking at the book of Joshua, um, strong and courageous. And my title, if you're a, a note taker, is the stories we tell. About the stories we tell. I only have 15 minutes and I like to talk, so I'm gonna just jump right in. So, everybody has a story to tell, but what is their importance? Let's look at this through the story of Joshua. So, it's believed that Joshua was born in Egypt while the Israelites were still slaves. That means he would have lived under Moses' leadership. He would have, he was Moses' second, so he would have been put into that leadership himself. And he would have been there when the Israelites were set free and was led to the promised land. He accompanied Moses up Mount Sinai when Moses went up there and he communed with God and he received the Ten Commandments. And he would have been there with them when they were in the wilderness for 40 years. And he would have heard all of these stories. And then in Joshua, right in the first chapter, God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. If you've grown up in youth ministry, you've probably had that verse said to you quite a bit. Joshua 1 verse 9, the have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. But what I love is before God commands Joshua to be strong and courageous, he almost tells him how to do that. So if we go to Joshua 1 verse 5, it will come up on the screen. And he says... To Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the next verse, he then tells him, so be strong and be courageous. So there's a couple of things here. He reminds him of A, the promise, God's faithfulness, his promise to us. I will not leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise that still stands for us today as his children. In Romans 8.31, it tells us, you know, if God is for you, who can be against you? That's why we can be strong and courageous. A, the promise. And then B, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He reminds Joshua of the testimony, of the story of Moses, of all the things that he had done through Moses. See, look at my faithfulness. Be strong and courageous. And testimonies is the part that I want to focus on today, the power of testimonies. So what is a testimony? When we think of testimony, we often think of ourselves, don't we? Our story of how we came to Christ, of how Jesus saved us, our salvation story. But a testimony is simply evidence or proof of something. That's why when you're in court, they say you testify. You give evidence or proof of something that has happened. So our testimonies are evidence or proof of the faithfulness of God. So I'm going to touch on three things that testimonies do for us. So firstly, our testimony encourages and inspires ourselves. Our testimony encourages and inspires ourselves. 
When you think of your story of how you came to Christ, I'll share with you a little bit of mine. Um, I grew up in a Christian family, um, believing in Jesus and going to church. And then when I was 16, my best friend died. And those of you that have experienced loss in this room, you know how all-consuming it can be. And I was in this place of depression, of anger, of confusion. How could this God that loves us so much, how could this happen? And then while I was at university, God placed the right people in my life and I came back to Jesus and I let him into my heart. I let him into my brokenness and he healed my heart. He healed my heart. He brought light into my life. He restored joy to me. So when I think about my own testimony, when I'm in that place of sadness, of anger again, I think to myself, he did it before, he can do it again. He saved me before, he'll save me again. When we're in those places, remind ourselves of the things that God has done for us. Sometimes we suffer from, from spiritual amnesia, almost a short-term memory loss. We forget about the things that God has already done with our lives because our current situation is so blinding. But God is so faithful. Think of your own testimony. What has God done for you? Our testimonies encourage and inspire ourselves. Secondly, our testimonies raise up others. In the book of Joshua, when God says to him, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you, that is repeated throughout the book of Joshua. He says it again in Joshua 4, do you not see what I did with Moses? He says it again at the end of chapter 1, what I did with Moses. He says it in Joshua 23, as I was with Moses, as I did with Moses. It's a constant reminder of who we are. That's why it's important to hear stories and share testimonies. Testimonies are authentic proof of God's, that God is at work in the midst of his people. In Bill Johnson's book, Defining Moments, he says, God speaks to us through testimonies. Every testimony brings something of heaven into the atmosphere. It gives us a divine moment when things shift and are transformed because the record of God's activity is revealed. I'm like, wow. Hearing testimonies and stories of God's goodness can shift things in someone's atmosphere. And we need to tell these stories. I think about what it must have been like for Joshua. We, we have the Bible. We have story after story in this book of God's faithfulness. Joshua would have just been hearing the stories of Moses. He didn't have access to the same stories, that, the same resources that we do. I can Google a story. I can look at things on the news. But I don't know about you. I'm more inspired when I hear of God's faithfulness right here in the city of Birmingham than in a megachurch in the States. We need to share these stories with each other. What are the stories that we're telling around the dinner table? There's a song that I love called How Good the Lord Is. And on the bridge of that song, they just said, I'll tell these stories to my kids so they can see your faithfulness. This next generation need to hear stories about the faithfulness of God. They need to hear about what God is doing. They need to hear about how he is moving. Even in Joshua, when Joshua crosses the Jordan River, he tells one man from each tribe of the 12 tribes, and he says, pick up a stone and lay it here as a memorial 
so that when your children ask what happened here, you will tell them of the faithfulness of God. We need to build memorials to tell people of God's faithfulness in our lives. Testimonies, build up and encourage other people. And thirdly, testimonies point people towards Jesus. For me, the word evangelism was a really scary word. I always thought of evangelism as like the people at tube stations with megaphones that like shout at you as you're just trying to get to work. And um, I remember when I was in youth, one of my leaders told me, I think you've got a gift for evangelism. A, because I like to talk. And um, B, because um, I, I love people. And when she said that to me, I thought to myself, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, God, I'm not going to stand on the high street and hand out flies. It's not really my vibe. But actually, evangelism can sometimes be as simple as telling your story, as telling your testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness. In Acts 21, Paul had been arrested and he's about to be put in the barracks. Paul is this amazing apostle. He wrote most of the New Testament and he's in front of this hostile crowd and he asks the soldiers, can I, can I address the crowd? And instead of begging for his life or, or telling a sermon, he simply tells his story. He tells his testimony. He tells of how he was a Jew and then he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and his sight was taken away and then his sight was restored and how he's now on fire for the gospel and he's going and planting churches and he loves Jesus. He chose that moment to share his story. And yes, the crowd still reacted with hostility. When we share our testimony, not everyone's gonna respond the way we want them to. But maybe there was someone in there that went, wow, I wanna know about that Jesus. I wanna know who that Jesus is. And as believers, we're called to evangelism in whatever form it appears. And maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, I don't really have many stories to tell. Well, I want to encourage you. This church is full of amazing people with amazing testimonies. Go up to someone afterwards and ask them, what's your story? You'll be fueled up to be strong and courageous. When I was at uni, um, I, I studied medicine and there was this woman that was, that was there, she was a doctor as well, and she was a GP for, for two days a week, and then she was also in ministry for the rest of her time. And she would tell me these stories. She'd tell me of how in her GP practice, people would walk in and she'd pray for them and they'd leave and they'd be healed. She would tell me how someone was pouring their heart out to her and, and God would, would tell her, would, would give her prophecies for them and she would speak over their lives. In fact, I remember her saying to me once, if it's hit 12 o'clock and I haven't prayed for anybody, I'm like, God, what are you doing? And I remember hearing that as a medical student, like, wow. I was like, I've got no stories. I've not done anything, but it fueled me up to be strong and courageous, to want to see change, to want to see something different in my hospital, in my university, in my environment. I'm like, look at these stories, this proof, this evidence of God's goodness and God's faithfulness. And then there's that fear that kind of takes over. 
And I thought as well, you know, they say that in the hospitals, we're not allowed to do this. We're not allowed to share our faith. It's wrong. And she said to me, I don't care if someone tells me something's wrong, if the Holy Spirit tells me it's right. <laughs> and the next day, I woke up with expectation. I went to placement and I was like, Lord, what are you going to do? That's the power of testimony. That's why we need to share our testimonies. And right now, as I'm speaking, I feel like some of you are being stirred up inside for this evangelism within you. You're like, I want to do this. I don't know how. Well, God said it in Joshua 1 verse 5. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Remind yourself of the promise. And then remind yourself of the testimonies. The testimonies, the stories of God's goodness and God's faithfulness. And maybe you're sitting in this room right now and you think, I don't really know Jesus. I don't have a testimony. Well, let me just say, I'm so excited for you. Because if you let Jesus into your heart, you will have the most amazing story. I guarantee it. And you can ask anybody in this room that knows Jesus and they will guarantee it too. Thank you, everybody. How good is that? Hold on to our testimonies. We have another preacher coming. So just for a minute, 10 seconds, let's just receive that word. Let it set in our hearts. Maybe for some of you, feels particularly apt. I'm just going to give 10 seconds silence just to let that set in. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we receive that word this morning, God. We thank you that you're speaking. God, we thank you for the stories over our lives. And Spirit, we just pray would you empower us in that. Amen. Amen. Well, I have the pleasure of inviting up our next speaker, Hannah, who is one of the fiercest girls I know. Um, so she's going to blow your socks off now <laughs> with her spiritual authority. So Hannah, why don't you come up? We can each reach out a hand. Yeah, you can give her a round of applause. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we just pray, would you be in Hannah right now, would you fill her up, God, and would you use her in this moment to speak to us, God, we want to hear from you, amen, amen. I love that, fiercest girls, I'm going to say that again, I'm going to say that again. Good afternoon, everyone, good afternoon, my name is Hannah, like Hazel said, I am 19, and of course, I've been on the academy this year, it's been an incredible year, and this morning, we are looking at Joshua 1, verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be scared. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I mean, what a promise that is. And you know, I found it quite funny when I found out what the verse was for today. Since being a young teenage girl, this has been one of my absolute favorite Bible verses. Like so many young people today, I grew up and struggled with anxiety and fear and a lot of insecurity. And I remember finding this verse in the Bible and thinking, this is everything I've needed to hear and here it is in the Bible. I've had this in my room since about the age of 14, which my lovely parents got for me. And I used to look at it every day and remember what God said. I've also had this which I used every day during my A-levels. Before an A-level, I'd sit with my cup of tea and remember God's promises over my life. So God knew, didn't he, that a verse that was so special to me, I would one day be preaching on as I finish GSA. 
And I'm really excited to be up here preaching about Joshua as well. Joshua is one of my favorite people in the Old Testament. You know, I love how he took over from Moses this divine appointment to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Joshua was a man of the word. You know, in chapter one, God tells Joshua to study the book of instruction. And Joshua did just that. Joshua is wise. He knows what it means to obey, to submit to the Lord. Joshua is known as the Lord's servant. How incredible is that? And you know, when people say, Hannah, who are four people you'd have around for dinner, dead or alive? I think one of them would be Joshua. I'd love to pick his brain about being a leader for the Israelites, about going through the Jordan River. So I would definitely invite Joshua over, obviously closely followed by Jesus himself. And what I want to focus on today is Joshua 23, the second to last chapter in Joshua. So by this point, the Israelites and Joshua are all in the promised land, but Joshua is about to die. So you can imagine the scene, this trusted leader the Israelites have relied upon is about to die. So the leaders all gather and Joshua delivers a kind of farewell sermon. He delivers some leaving, some parting words to the people before his death. And you know, you can imagine the Israelites are desperate to find out, like, what is Joshua going to tell us to do? What is he going to say? What do we do now? Our leader is leaving. And Joshua says this, Joshua 23, verse 8. You must continue to follow the Lord your God as you have done in the past. You must continue to follow the Lord your God as you have done in the past. Some translations even say you must cling tightly to the Lord your God. And then later on, as part of the farewell sermon, Joshua 24 verse 23, Joshua says this, love the Lord, the God of Israel with all your heart. And you're probably asking, how do I love the Lord, the God of Israel with all my heart? You show him the undivided loyalty he deserves. You cling tightly to him. You continue to serve him. So let's pray quickly. Lord, I thank you that your word is sharper than a double-edged sword, Father God. And I pray right now you would just still every distraction in this room, Lord God. And Lord, just come and speak to us straight into our hearts, Lord. Amen. So my message to us as a church this morning is very simple. We must continue to follow the Lord our God. We must cling tightly to the Lord and to nothing else. And maybe you're sat here thinking, Hannah, how can I cling tightly to the Lord? How can I endure in my faith? I'm not even a Christian. This is my first time at church. What I want to say to you, if that is you, if you are sat here this morning, God's hand has been upon your life. God is working and moving in your life. You know, it says in scripture, your name, each of your individual name is engraved into the palm of his hands. I mean, how incredible is that? So you can continue in your faith. You can endure in your faith, even if you're not a Christian, because your journey started 2,000 years ago when Christ died for you. And it's only now you're seeing the manifestation, the result of Christ dying for you. And as I was praying and preparing for today, I felt God say, for some of us in here, We're thinking of turning back. You know, clinging tightly to God gets tiring. We want to loosen our grip. We want to let go. You know, the words strong and courageous feel alien. And maybe that's you this morning. But I truly believe 
We are being called into a group of people that persevere despite disappointment, that continue despite fear. A group of people that cling to the Lord in a world that clings to other things. So I've got two really simple points for us today. Firstly, as the title says, cling to the Lord. Joshua instructs us so clearly, cling to the Lord. And you know, what does it feel like? What does it look like to cling to something? Because when you cling to something, you hold it with the intention of never letting it go. When you hold something, you minimize the space between you and that very thing. You know, when you cling to something, it's for security, it's for safety, it's for comfort. You know, young children cling to their blankets at night. And as I've been reading the book of Joshua, there is so many times where Joshua could have let go, where Joshua could have given in, lost hope. I mean, firstly, when Joshua got to the Jordan River, you know, the Israelites believed they got to the promised land, the land that God had given them for food, for shelter. And then in front of them is the Jordan River, a river which at its widest point is 30 meters. That's from the cross right at the back of the auditorium, right to the back there. That is a pretty big river to cross. And you know, Joshua could have so easily been like, God, I'm not doing that. God, that's too much resistance. God, there's too much in my way. But no, Joshua continued. He clung on. He persevered. And just before his death, he is telling us, his church, to do the same. We must continue to follow the Lord our God. The Apostle Paul said this, Joshua finished the race, fought the good fight, and kept the faith. Joshua was literally known as someone that kept the faith, someone that clung on. And you know, we're talking about being strong and courageous. You know what courage is? Courage is moving ahead in spite of fear. Courage is clinging on to God, even when you don't know where you're going. Courage is clinging on to God, trusting that he will make a way. That is what courage is. And maybe you're sat here this morning and you're clinging on to a prayer. Maybe there's a healing you're desperate to see in your body. Maybe there's a salvation you're desperate to see in your family, your brother, your sister, your mum, your dad, whatever it may be. And what I want to say to you, church, is... What if the miracle is only a corner away? You know, what if you've been clinging on for 10 years, but the miracle is a month away? You know, what if you've been clinging on for so long, but the miracle is within touching distance? So I urge you, church, cling on to God and nothing else. You know, the harder it gets, the more resistance you feel, that is the tighter you cling. As the battle wages, as the seas roar around you, cling to the Lord. It says this in Psalm 120 verse 1, it is in the deep dark valleys we see what an enduring faith looks like. And you know, I don't want to be known as Hannah that has a faith. I want to be known as Hannah that has an enduring faith. So if God, you have to take me to the deep dark valleys to do that, so be it. Because you know, when we're in the valley of the shadow of death, like it talks about in Psalms, we experience God's presence like never before. You know, when we're clinging on for dear life, we experience the glory of God like never before. And church, do not confuse what you are going through with where you are going to. Those are two very different things, what you're currently going through and where God is going to take you to. And the incredible thing is, in the church of Jesus Christ, 
a weary worshipper is still a worshipper. And when you're tired and praying, a tired prayer is still a prayer. And guess what? God will still hear and answer those prayers. And you know, as I was thinking about clinging on, I kept thinking of you guys, the Farsi community. I hope the translation is working. Can you hear me? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Fabulous. Because you guys have had some of the hardest battles in here. And I just feel God saying in this moment that keep clinging and God sees how much you've been holding on to him. And I just want to pray for your countries, Iran, Afghanistan. I want to pray for your families, your friends, that they will see where you hold on to God and they will follow suit. We just declare right now, God, for these families, for these countries, revival in your name, Jesus. That is what we declare, Jesus. And um, quickly, very quickly, and practically, how do we cling on to the Lord? Firstly, we cling to his word. I watched a film recently called Jesus Revolution. Great film, would hugely recommend. And every time the guy got up to preaching it, he would come up to the stage and go, this is the word, this is life. And I love that. This is the word, this is life. And just like I was talking about at the beginning where I found Joshua 1 verse 9, the Bible has in it everything we need. You know, it is full of answers. And if you want to learn how to cling on to the Lord, cling on to his word, because then you will realize that his promises are yes and amen. Secondly, like if I was talking about cling to his records, you know, God's been faithful in the past. God is faithful right now. He was faithful throughout scripture and he will be faithful forevermore. And when you cling to his records, clinging isn't so difficult because you know that God will make a way when there is no way. So cling to his records. He's a faithful, faithful father. And secondly, let go. You know, Joshua tells us very clearly, cling to the Lord. Joshua doesn't say, cling to your desires, cling to your future, cling to your needs, cling to your money. Because when we put these things before God, they become idols. And you know, in some biblical languages, the word idol means no king or worthless. Church, why are we clinging on to worthless no kings when we could be clinging on to the king of kings? You know, Joshua doesn't tell us to cling on to these things. He tells us very clearly, cling to the Lord. And maybe you're sat in here this morning and there's no shame, we all do it. Clinging on to control of your future. Clinging on to your next paycheck. Clinging on to what you want in life, but it doesn't tell us to cling on to what we want. It doesn't tell us to cling on to these things. No, it says cling to the Lord. And in order to cling tightly to the Lord, you have to let go. You have to lay it down. You know, you can't try and carry your money, your career, your future, and then cling tightly to the Lord. It doesn't work like that. What you have to do is you have to lay it down. You have to let it go. God, I'm giving you my money. God, I'm giving you my career. God, I'm giving you my future. And now with arms wide open, I'm gonna cling tightly to you. If you're holding on to other stuff, you lose the capacity to cling on to God fully. So cling to the Lord. How amazing is our God as well, that it's in the laying down we find the victory. It's when we let it go, it's when we surrender it, we find the victory in Jesus Christ. You know, cast your cares upon him and watch them vanish in front of you. 
You know, in a world that clings on to popularity, clings on to status, seek first the kingdom. You know, in a world that clings on to sex and to drugs for pleasure, be strong and courageous and seek first the kingdom. That is what it tells us to do in Matthew. Seek first the kingdom and all will be added. And church, when you cling tightly to God, when you seek first the kingdom, the rest just follows. It's like this weird magic trick. You seek first the kingdom and your future, your career, your relationships all follow suit. So 11.30 online, seek first the kingdom. Cling tightly to the Lord and to nothing else. So if the band want to come back up to close, the kingdom of God is at hand today. Did you know that? And he's offering us life and life in all its fullness today. And God wants to simplify your mind. For those of you that have come in feeling weighed down with anxiety, with burden, what about next week, Hannah? What about this? What about that? No, seek first the kingdom and all will be added. Cling to the Lord and to nothing else. So if you guys want to stand up and I'm going to pray. Yeah, Lord God, I thank you that when we cling onto you, the rest follows, Lord. But Lord, I thank you that you're a faithful father. And right now, wherever you are, just bring to mind some of the stuff you know you're clinging on to that isn't of God. Maybe it's your career, your money, your relationships, your anxieties even. Maybe you're clinging on to your anxieties and just bring them to the foot of the cross right now. Lay them down, let them go, take them out your arms. And now, Lord, with arms wide open, we cling to you, Lord. We continue to follow you, Lord. We cling to you with everything inside of us, Father. And I thank you that when we seek first the kingdom, the rest will follow. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.